You know, the Son of Man is the favorite title that Jesus used of himself. He used it. He was the Son of God. He was the only begotten of God. He is the I Am, but he loved to refer to himself as the Son of Man. Perhaps he did this because he came in the likeness of men, that as God he might pay the price of our sins, that we would find forgiveness in him. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Well, today we're looking at John chapter 8, verses 1 through 29, and it seems like I'm trying to grab a lot of text, and I am, uh, but for a reason, because The last time I taught through the Gospel of John, it took me two and a half years to get through it. And I'm not wanting to stay here for two and a half years. And so I'm grabbing big chunks and I I mapped it out at the beginning of the year, actually in December. And I've been staying on point so far. I titled this, You Will Know, in verses 1 through 29 of John 8. And broke it into three sections. Neither do I condemn you, verses 1 through 11. The Light of the World, verses 12 through 20, and verses 21 through 29, the Son of Man. Secondly, we discover the light of the world, verses 12 through 20. Verse 12 says, Then Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world, and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And the Pharisees therefore said to him, You bear witness of yourself, your witness is not true. And Jesus answered and said to them, Even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from and where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. And yet if I do judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one who bears witness of myself, and my Father who sent me bears witness of me. Then they said to him, Where is your Father? And Jesus answered and said, You know neither me nor my Father, for if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. These words Jesus spoke in the treasury where he taught in the temple, and no one laid hands on him because his hour had not yet come. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. 
we might be thinking, well, Jesus isn't in the world anymore. Well, spiritually, he is. He is still among us. He is still the light of the world. And everyone who looks to him shall have this light of life and not walk in the darkness of this world. This I am statement, I am the light of the world. It's the second of seven I am statements that John gives us in the Gospel of John. We'll discover that John gave seven miracles that Jesus did, and he referred to seven I am statements of Jesus. And here is the second of the great I am statements. I am the light of the world. Now, one of the traditions I thought was really cool with the Feast of Tabernacles is that they would have these lighted torches in the court of the women, and we'll refer to the court of the women as we get down to verse 20 again. I'll give you the location of that court. But they would have torches lit up in the court of the women there, and the torches were made with the garments of the priests, so they get kind of wear out their priestly garments, and they would take these garments and, and make them into wicks and, and make these torches to burn there. And the light was to symbolize God's Shekinah glory. That cloud there in the wilderness when Israel came out for 40 years, they were there in the wilderness, and God had the Shekinah glory cloud. It was a cloud by day and a fire by night. And these torches were made to symbolize that, and the Feast of Tabernacles, and the light. And we find Jesus making that statement. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And we find in the beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, that there was darkness that covered over the face of the deep. And the very first act of God's creation week, he said in Genesis 1-3, let there be light, and there was light. And in a similar way, we have a spiritual darkness that continues to hover over this world. But Jesus is the light, and his light is brighter than that of this world. It reminded me this morning of a verse in 1 John 4, 4, where it tells us, He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Jesus is the light of the world. And it's through Jesus' light that the accusers' sins were revealed, their secret sins. Whether Jesus actually wrote them down or not, we won't know for sure. But we do know that the accusers of this woman, they left unwilling to cast a stone because their secret sins had been revealed. They were condemned, but in the same light that exposed the sins of these religious rulers that brought this woman caught in adultery, the same light, the woman found forgiveness. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. No longer was she to walk in the darkness of this world, but in the light of Jesus Christ. In Psalm 90, verse 8, it tells us, You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your countenance. But here's a verse that I love and I've repeated often over the years here as your pastor. In 1 John 1, 7, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we will have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. So the Pharisees said to him, verses 13 and 14, you bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. And Jesus responded back, even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. 
Jesus said, I know where I came from. I know where I'm going. Under Jewish law, what they were referring to here, and Jesus will make reference of this later, they were referring to Deuteronomy 19.15 that says, One witness shall not rise up against a man concerning any iniquity or any sin that he commits. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter shall be established. So they were trying to quote scripture to Jesus. But Jesus responded, you can be one witness and you can be a true witness. It may not hold up in courts, kind of what is being determined here. But Jesus said, I have no need of any other witness. I know what I'm saying concerning myself is true. I know where I came from. I know where I'm going. And so again, verses 15 through 17, Jesus said, you judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. And yet if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I am with the Father who has sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. So Jesus, in verse 17, refers back to Deuteronomy 19.15. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter shall be established. So the Pharisees, they judged according to appearance. They judged according to limited knowledge. And I think Pastor Kevin kind of referenced that earlier, making judgments too quickly sometimes without knowing all the facts. And that's how it is in this world today. We, we judge according to limited knowledge, but Jesus had full knowledge. In John seven twenty four, Jesus said, Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. And God would speak to the prophet Samuel, when God had sent him to anoint David as Israel's next king, and Samuel was looking at David's brothers, thinking, the oldest brother looks kingly, I'll anoint him. And God said, no, he's not the one. And he went down the line, and none of these men were the one. In fact, dad didn't even call David to the meal, and they had to go fetch him. But God said, to Samuel in 1 Samuel 17, 7. Do not look at his appearance or his physical stature because I have refused him, talking about the older brother, for the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Jesus, verses 18 and 19, to know me is to know the Father. He said, I am the one who bears witness of myself. My Father also bears witness of me. He said, there's two witnesses if you would take the time to, to look. I didn't come on my own accord. My father also bears witness of me. Later on, he would speak about the very works testify of him. There's a third witness, Jesus, his father, and the works that he, he does in John 14, 10 and 11. Do you not believe that I am in the father? The father is in me. The words that I speak to you, I do not speak in my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, the Father is in me, or else believe me for the sakes of the works themselves. That Jesus had more than one testimony. But it tells us that he said these things in the treasury as he taught in the temple, verse 20, and no one lays hands on him because his hour had not yet come. The treasury was the court of the women. So as you came into the temple area, 
only the high priest was allowed in the temple, in the Holy of Holies, the temple proper. In the holy place, the priest that ministered daily could go into the holy place. So the temple proper was divided into two sections. There was a court of the priests, the court of the men, and the court of the women. And as you came into the temple area, into the treasury, it was also known as the court of the women. And in there, I, I had to verify this. I looked it up. I found it again. It was called the court of the treasury. They had 13 inverted trumpets. I don't know if it was like you're in the shopping mall and they have uh, those things in the middle of the mall where you, they're collecting money for some good cause. And you put the coin in and it goes round and round and round and you watch it spin down. Well, these were inverted trumpets. I don't know if they had that round and round thing going on there. <laughs> It'd be fun for the kids, right? Let's put some money in, in the trumpets. But they were collected there to help pay the expense of the temple. We know Jesus sat there in Mark 12:41. He sat opposite the treasury. He saw the people, how they put the money in the treasury. But no one did anything to Jesus. They didn't arrest him because his hour had not yet come. Ten times John would make reference to this hour or this time. And this is number five, his fifth mention of the Lord's hour not yet coming. Pretty soon he would change that and say that the hour had come. But how wonderful it is to know that Jesus is the light of the world. So far we've seen that the Lord can choose not to condemn, neither do I condemn you. And how wonderful it is to know that in Christ there is no condemnation. And now we've seen that Jesus is the light of the world. And now we're going to see Jesus as the Son of Man. I'm going to try to get through this. I'm running out of voice here. Verses 21 and 22, Jesus said, I am going away. He said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. Will he kill himself, they said? Because he says, where I am going, you cannot come. So once again, Jesus lets them know he's talking about his crucifixion. They're not understanding it. But also, he said this last week in chapter 7, I am going away and where I'm going, you cannot come. Here he adds... <laughs> the reason why they cannot come because of their sins and they would not find forgiveness of sin. But they misunderstood this thinking he's talking about committing suicide and tradition taught Jewish tradition taught that suicide equals separation from God. Several years ago, I did a funeral of a youth that committed suicide, a very difficult funeral to do indeed. And we don't always know the mindset of people, what causes them to do things that they do. It was interesting to me in this particular situation. Excuse me. Told you I caught a cold. In this particular situation, the coroner from Lake County mentioned that this medication that this teen was on, that there had been several suicides connected to this drug. So it could have been kind of a medical condition that was brought on from a drug that he was taking legally that brought his mental state to cause him to take his own life. It's kind of like the elephant in the room. You know that 
everybody knew why we were there, what caused his death. But as we did this funeral, I began it with these words. As we all know, on Wednesday afternoon, so-and-so made a very poor choice that ultimately took his own life from this earth. I would like us not to focus on the poor choice that he had made, but rather on what I believe was the most important choice that he ever made. And then I went on to share about how this individual had accepted Christ, had been baptized with his family. We talked about life that is found in Jesus Christ. Suicide can be a difficult subject and very difficult for people who experience that in their family. But through Christ, I believe, uh, what can separate us from the love of God? Paul would say nothing can separate us from the love of God. I'm not condoning someone to take their own life, but I believe that God can work in all situations. Here the Jews simply misunderstood. Jesus said, I'm not going to take my own life. In fact, in John 10, 11 and 18, he said, I'm in verse 11, John 10, 11, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Verse 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down myself. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it again. This command I received from my father. Verses 23 and 24, he said, I am he. And he said to them, you are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore, I say to you, you shall die in your sins. Again, he repeats this. Your sins. He's connecting their unforgiveness. They have sins against the Lord. They're going to die in their sins unless they claim faith in Jesus Christ. They were in trouble. You will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Now, I left out the he purposely there. Because you look in your Bibles, that he is in italics. It is not in the original Greek. It's been added by the translators to help us better understand the text. But I believe that Jesus was making a declaration here. In John 8, 58, he would say it again, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And in John 3, 36, we find that he who believes in the Son has life, and he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God is upon him. He said that if you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Faith is so important. But the I am here, when Moses spoke to the Lord there on the mountain at the burning bush, Everybody remembers the burning bush. Moses there tending his father-in-law's sheep. He saw a bush that was burning but not being consumed. Went up and God was calling him to go to Egypt to deliver the children of Israel. And Moses tried to talk the Lord out of uh, sending him. Send anybody else but me, but not me. The thing is, Moses, he wanted to be the deliverer when he was 40 years old. But at 80 years old, he's thinking, Lord, you got the wrong guy. That was 40 years ago. I was willing to go, and it didn't work out so well for me. They chased me out of Egypt. But as he determined to go, he said, when I go to the people of Israel there in Egypt, who shall I say will send me? 
And the Lord said, I am. It's a word that in the Hebrew that speaks about, I am able to be anything that you need me to be. And it is a reference that ties back to this scene with Moses and the Lord on the mountain. That the great I am, a reference to God, Jesus claiming the title of God here, I am. And then he goes on in verses 25 through 27. Then they said to him, who are you? And Jesus said, just as I've been saying to you from the beginning, I have many things to say and to judge concerning you. But he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. And they did not understand that he spoke to them of the Father. So they didn't understand. They did not understand. Here was the problem. They had a lot of knowledge. They knew the word of God, but they had no heart knowledge. It was all head knowledge. It was all intellectual knowledge. They never applied it by faith. Jesus was testifying to them speaking the very words of life, the words of his father, and they did not understand. In John 12, 48, he who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The words that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. That he didn't come under his own authority. He came speaking the words of the father and they rejected those very words. The words that he said in John 12, 50, this command is everlasting life. He came to speak life to them, but they refused to hear it. And we close out in verses 28 through 29. Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, you will know that I am. Again, it says, I am he. He is in italics. All Jesus said was, you will know that I am. And that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. And he who sent me is with me, and the Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. When you lift me up, a reference to the cross, when you lift me up, you will know that I am. You will know that these things that I spoke to you are true. When you lift me up, again, he would say in John 12, 32 and 33, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all peoples to myself. And John gives commentary. He says, this he said, signifying by the death that he would die. And so we can rightly say that when Jesus talks about being lifted up, he's talking about the cross. When I'm lifted up from this earth, I will draw all people to myself. And he said, when you lift up the Son of Man. You know, the Son of Man is the favorite title that Jesus used of himself. He used it 83 times in the Gospels concerning himself. He was the Son of God. He was the only begotten of God. He is the I Am, but he loved to refer to himself as the Son of Man. Perhaps he did this because he came in the likeness of men, being God, but came in the flesh that as God, he might pay the price of our sins, that we would find forgiveness in him. How wonderful it is to know that Jesus Christ is the Son of Man. He said, you will know when you have lifted me up, you will know. To look to the cross, it brings knowledge to us. And perhaps today you're not sure about that. You're not sure if Jesus is 
really all that he said that he was. You're not really sure that faith in Jesus Christ, his work on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection can bring about the salvation that the Bible teaches. Well, I challenge you as we close with this one verse. In Jeremiah 33, 3, it's a favorite verse of mine. It says, call on me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. So perhaps today you don't know. Well, maybe today the Lord is challenging you to call on him. Jesus said, when I am lifted up, when you lift up the Son of Man, you will know that I am. And so he ties it back to the cross. Through the cross of Jesus Christ, we can find the knowledge needed for our salvation and the work of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. But you have to receive it. You can't just have a head knowledge of this. This was the problem of the religious rulers. They had the head knowledge, but no heart knowledge. They never truly believed. And unless one believes, they cannot be saved. Father, we thank you for your word and for what it teaches us this day. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. Yeah.